0: It's Ooh. like scallion pancake with um, But then she's got this cheese Cheese cake yeah. oh. yeah.
1: The cheese and is then, 100% made in New York
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, And that, then shaved, oh, raised
2: that's, shank yeah. That's sick a And a, a little bit of spice, nice, nice bit of little Russian dressing kind of thing Yeah, <laughs> kind
1: of thing, yeah Russian, Chinese
2: Everything that's sinful in one bite
0: I'm Hugh Atchison, and this is Hugh Atchison Stirs the Pot. On today's show, I sit down with a New York Magazine food critic, Adam Platt, platy Pants, as he's so well-known, at a little shotgun space in midtown Manhattan called Little Tongue Noodle Shop. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've probably heard me talk about Little Tongue Noodle Shop. That's because of Adam Platt. He knows New York's best restaurants, and that's where he wanted to meet. If you're enjoying Hugh Atchison's Stirs the Pot, please rate it. Write a review on your podcast app. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe and check out other episodes like Tom Colicchio heats up leftovers and Michael Stipe likes a good schnitzel. All right. So here's this week's conversation. Adam Platt eats an amazing sandwich. I'm in Midtown Manhattan and sitting at a little tong noodle shop and uh, I've got a very uh, 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 curmudgeonly gentleman in front of me whose name is adam platt adam is uh, the wonderful uh, dining critic for new york magazine and has been for uh, more than 18 years um and he's he's not showing it he still looks 20 um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, uh, a um, long time now. It is a long time. I mean, it's like you, one, very, one could argue it's a little too long. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a deal. I mean, a lot of the people you give one stars to will definitely. Uh,
2: I, don't definitely do I don't do that. I don't do that anymore.
0: No, I know. There are no stars. I am going to read a star review of something totally non-food just to get a, a, a grasp of uh, criticism and, and uh, the overwhelming amount of criticism that we have in the world today. Because if I find it really interesting. I think mm-hmm. it really, your mm-hmm. marks are daily routines. Mm-hmm. This is a one-star review of... Um, uh, lombard street um the architectural street in san francisco that's mm-hmm. very hilly i've been on a lot of roads but this one just doesn't compare to most first it's too curvy i couldn't believe how challenging it was to crank the wheel to the right and then immediately to the left even with the of modern technology like power steering i found it a chore to steer heck the curves can't even turn one direction mm-hmm. like nascar second it's too steep i had to ride the brakes all the way down Last, there are way too many people. They act like this is some sort of tourist attraction or something. Avoid this road.
2: I think I see where you're coming from. It's the world of criticism. It's just too
0: much. Where it is? Everybody's a critic. Everybody's criticizing everything all the time. And do you think that that takes away from your professional, astute position as a dining critic? Well, I would hope not. Well, you hope not, but I think it already. But
2: this is this is the thing. And like when I started doing this job, it was almost twenty years ago. It was, in fact. You've done your research, so it was 18 years ago. And I came to it as really an accidental restaurant critic. Like a lot of of food writers and critics from my era, I think it's changed a little bit now, but from my era, uh, we were magazine writers first who liked food. I mean, ideally, I would be a great chef like you, who was also a professional writer. I mean, I think that's the ideal model. But in my day, if you liked food and you could write a little bit, then, you know, give it a shot. Um, so and, it, was, it started as a part-time gig. No, it was a. It was a, They offered me a full-time job. It was a full-time job. Uh, New York Magazine, uh, health benefits, uh, and I actually find food to be a fascinating topic. I'd written about it before. Um, it, uh, as you know, and as everybody knows now, because the yeah. the, the, the whole the whole uh, the whole genre has exploded. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as with everything with the internet, it's like you, it looks like you have this. Uh, Especially with with the food world, which used to be sort of small and self-regarding and slightly preening, like, here we are, this is, and also sort of a a little uh, eccentric and off in the corner, right? Uh, You had these mandarins who passed judgment, quote unquote, and created these ridiculous star systems, and uh, their generally uninformed public read in this sort of rapt way about where they should go and eat their next meal, uh, yeah. that had been cooked up by chefs from overseas, right So that was a, that, that was sort of the style when I actually started. And shortly after I started, it was really like a somebody rolled a hand grenade into a, into this this, this, this uh, cage of, of flamingos. The whole thing blew. Everything, <laughs> everything blew pink, up, pink, and it's been, and it's been expanding ever since, right? I mean, right. With, with the food culture, but, uh, with,
0: with the internet. When you start eighteen years ago, I mean, that's the. Uh, I mean, Google wasn't around eighteen years.
2: Google ago. wasn't around uh, the internet. I mean, in New York, I'm in New York, and so, uh, in many ways, the, 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 the intensity and the. Um, uh, variety that, that you that everybody associates with the food world now, uh, because everybody's hooked in. Everybody's Ew. seen Tony Bourdain. Everybody Yeah. But in many ways, that New Yorkers have been that way for a while. So right. you had this intense culture, and you also had you had these. Uh, I mean, they were called blogs back then, but you had these intense food. Uh, the, the people who would go out in the in the outer boroughs and tell you about the, you know, the 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 great slice of pizza or you know Jim left There there are a whole bunch of them. Uh, Chowhound, Hound and Chow and, Hound so and, that, and and, uh, and, and, and Ed one? Levine. Yeah, Ed Levine who, was who, doing who founded Series E. So they were all out doing their thing, and the internet gave voice to them. And so, uh, but and, and so, if you're a critic, you are actually. I mean, you're 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 trying to establish a point of view, and you're trying to establish a kind of. Uh, uh, you want people to pay attention to you and you're also tr- trying to tell them how to spend their money. So you, you are trying to cultivate a certain style that is supposed to classically be above the, the babble of the street. Right. right and but so I, and I'm Panama trying to do that that, louder. Trying, that streets a lot louder and there's many more people on it and there's many more people babbling and uh, meanwhile of course the whole model for print journalism has dissolved like a cube of sugar in a <laughs> rainstorm right so uh, you really it's it's it, it's it's much harder now I uh my argument is, is that you need old fashioned critics like me. First of all, my argument is that is that restaurant criticism, and, and you know this as a as a great chef. Um, you know this is a great eater. That everybody has their own opinions. There's nothing more subjective than food. Than yeah. food. Yeah. Okay. Ergo, there's nothing more subjective than being a food critic. Right. If you're if you're a book critic or you're a TV critic, I mean, again, you have your own opinions or you're coming from a certain set of facts, you have your own tastes, but you're all seeing the same movie. You're all reading the same book, as you know, when it comes to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Everything changes. Your experience changes, not just of the food, but of where you are, but where you're sitting, uh, what time of day is it's, it, what kind of live. food you're eating.
0: Yeah, re- restaurants are live action affected by more things than anything.
2: It's just a chaotic theater all the time. Yeah, and so a critics job is sort of make sense of this, right? And also to rec- recreate it, like because I again I am from a generation who you know I think Ruth Reichel is the same way. There are a lot of credit. Uh, uh, John the Gold, uh, bless his soul. you really you are trying to review a restaurant and tell people where to go and how to spend the money, but most of them will go there. So you're really trying to recreate the experience for what used to be a pre audience, right? People who would sit down and actually look forward to this vicarious journey to this far off. Noodle shop or if in, in New York you could pick any number of places. You know, not everybody's going to Libertadin, not everybody's going to these so you're really trying to recreate that world for them, and you're doing it from your perspective. And that's that's pretty much how I've always operated.
0: Do you think the the, the um not that you use the star system, but if we equate the star system, has that changed remarkably in how people view it, or are as four stars of the time still only relegated to super fine dining?
2: Well, your chef, what do you think of the star system?
0: I mean I think it requires it's, it's very much like the Michelin system. It requires a lot of attention yeah. to bathrooms that yes. I don't really want to do.
2: Yeah. yeah. The, the, the Star System, like, I don't know many working critics who enjoy the Star System. No. It's, it's nothing but trouble. Yeah. Right? Again, we're talking, again, we're talking about, I, I don't think uh, Gold ever ever adopted it. No. He, he, he did not, to his credit, he said, they, I'm sure they asked him many times, the Star System exists for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think, to a certain extent, more for the restaurateur, much more for the restaurateur than for the critic, because restaurateurs sell it. They like to have it. They want to know. You know, it's, it's a. It's a. You know, Michelin started as a. You know, they want to be able to buy their tires and to drive around Touring and go to country. It's a and wear it on the tires, it, it, and buy the tires again. The star system is something that people enjoy. Right. And again, it's very subjective. And, uh, you know, I was asked when I started doing this job. We had no star system because the argument was if you if you have a star system, people are a they're just random. Uh, they're also sort of a trap. Right. Because it, it, this is very true of Michelin, although I respect Michelin, although it's an impossible job. Uh, what happens with Michelin is that the stars become equated with a certain type of restaurant, right? Like, I mean, so if really you're if you're a three star certain restaurant, certain you're going to be ridiculously fancy, ridiculous. And with Michelin, it's a certain kind of classic French, sort of now Japanese, but it's a certain kind of gourmet experience, which puts you in a box. So it's a type of restaurant, not an experience. And in this era where you have these noodle shops, these these, these studied you know, these high end noodle shops, you know the David Changs of the world popping up all over the place who's to say what's better right a, 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 a wonderful bar a wonderful casual barbecue down in georgia or a fancy w- w- what's your four star experience so, yeah, but even
0: without stars and the methodology that you're using, are you walking into a Liberna with a different uh, expectation than you're walking into Hunan Slur?
2: Well, oh, I think, yeah, I, I think yes and no, right? I think Liberna Dain, the thing about Liberna we all know what Liberna is, right? It's famous uh, seafood restaurant, Eric and Pear. Uh, I think if you're paying a certain amount of money, you're working in you're, you're expecting a certain kind of experience. Right. I don't necessarily think that uh, stars equate to that. Actually, I I would actually argue. I mean, what's the greatest great barbecue in uh, Athens? That's what's What's your favorite? All right, what? Barbecue. Just tell me. He's crackling just, Atlanta, Georgia. But you know what I'm saying. What? So which is the four star restaurant?
0: um well i mean bees crackling is a good example of a very high or not high end but really quality driven barbecue restaurant right.
2: whole hog let's let me take I'll i'll do this okay i'll, I'll do a new york example so in new york you have a burn down which is happens to be not my favorite old-fashioned gourmet restaurant it's not even old-fashioned it's they're, they're changing all the time it's, it's a wonderful experience it's beautiful it's just impeccable theater of yes. a certain kind and when that restaurant closes when uh, Maggie LeCose is the proprietor or Eric, when they pack up, their, it ain't, there ain't going to be another one, Yeah, right? It is a product at a certain time and a certain sensibility, which is – it sort of encompasses the last 40 years, I'd say. And it, 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 when it goes, for all sorts of reasons – it ain't coming back, right? Right? Certainly in New York, where the leaves, with the rents are so high. And then you have let's talk about another temple in, in, of city of old New York dining, uh, Katz's Deli. Okay, right? You've probably been to Cats a million times. Yep. Katz's is uh, down on uh, you know Delancey's lower, down on the Delancey, the other uh, side. Yep. Been in the same building for 500 years. It's got that funk it's of the cool deli. It's just it's it, I think it's it's old, but anyway, it's. It's actually gotten better. Yeah. Because the people who run it now, it's been, been in the same family for a long time, but all of these various crafts like pickling and curing your beef and curing your decal and even hot dogs and even sauerkraut have turned into this in, with the arrival of the obsessive gourmet, uh, the obsessive internet culture, have turned into these crafts that people pay a lot of attention to. And also, and also, and also, Cassis has this gestalt, this sort of much like much like Bernadette, it's got this certain gestalt of the city that a great restaurant exudes, right? And it's really like a living temple, I, I think. Right. So I would be hard pressed to to tell you which one I would give four stars or five stars. Now I know what the New York Times would say. I know what my magazine would say. But I personally. Especially for the money, the same. I think they're on the same plane. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm but, not gonna.
0: But, but that is, I think that's the key to the modern era of judging a restaurant in so many ways: is that they should be judged now right. on authenticity and right. zeal and that gestalt right. characteristic. Right.
2: And also, like I, I would, in defense of being a restaurant critic, um, not that's everybody, not everybody these days. It's not a denial, but in defense. <laughs> I mean, again, it's all. I will, I will never. When somebody comes and argues with me, as they often do, like I went to your, that place, it was it was crap, and I go, well, you know, it's, a, it's my opinion, and b, it changes, things yes. changes, and b, changes and c, day. people have different different tastes. Yep, you know, and you know as well. I do the reviews come out. They take the chefs take off. They take a break. It it, it all changes. So I, I go, you know, Godspeed. Thank you. This is one man's opinion. And obviously, behind that opinion is a thousand other meals that I've had to consume, which probably the person who was talking to me hasn't. Um, and also behind my the the old fashioned critic's uh, uh, argument and sense of judgment is a is hopefully an expense account, where you can you have an organization which will pay for you to return to these places again and again, not just one time. I mean, I go two or three times. But that and that's what's rare in this era of people r- driving down Lombard Street and sort of telling you, out of the you know back of their, you know you know whatever you know i oh here this this, that that is I think still, the key. And if you have somebody like that, who, and it's their job to go to these places, and they just...
0: Well, I think that because it's the job of a professional critic to walk into a restaurant without the baggage that a typical consumer walks in with sometimes. You walk into one of my restaurants, and you've been in a bad mood, and something happened at work, and you're dining with your toddler and their grandmother, and uh, you're having a spat with your wife. Uh, Things are... Uh, we have very little chance of making you very happy. But those things wouldn't be hurdles for you as a professional critic because you've learned to stick those aside.
2: Yes, you have.
0: And you're probably. We're, we're, we're professional critics. You're, you're consistently grumpy. So I'm consistently that's a plain, grumpy. Plain I'm consistently grumpy. For.
2: Although I, I'm looking back, like I've, I've been writing a book about, or trying to write a book about my. About the world, the world that I weird world that I inhabit, and I do find I'm looking back at my old reviews. I was much meaner when I was uh, started out. I don't know why. I think maybe because I wrote more reviews. Uh, they were, I, don't, I I don't know, but like I was, and I I, I did do cringe a little, actually.
0: I think it was. I think I cringe at the chef. I was 20 years. Well, ago. Is, so you're the well, English. I think That's I
2: was. Pr- I wasn't a bad. Book. I don't think I was a bad cray Russell. No, book. I wasn't a bad chef. But, but was it was just. Angry. I just. Yeah, I'm not. It's hard for any No restaurateur would believe this, because, but I I have more sympathy, and I don't. I don't. I I don't actually know a lot of critics who enjoy writing um, scathing scathing reviews, um, but I find that I don't. I do it less and less.
0: ButcherBox.com delivers healthy, 100% grass-fed and finished beef-free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, and wild-caught sockeye salmon directly to your door on a monthly basis. All their products are humanely raised and never, ever given those antibiotics or hormones. It's hard to find high-quality meat you can trust at every place in the United States, but ButcherBox is changing that, and they offer free shipping anywhere in the 48 states. Not only is it convenient, the taste is unbelievably good. There's a huge difference in flavor between animals raised on pasture and those fed grain and concentrated animal feedlot operations. There's no commitment and you can cancel easily at any time. So enjoy. Right now, new subscribers will receive the ultimate breakfast bundle for free in their first box. That's two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage for free, plus $20 off their first box. So there's no excuse. Go to butcherbox.com backslash Hugh. That's my name. It's H-U-G-H. Enjoy butcherbox.com. Have you ever thought about wanting to talk to someone, but you're unsure of where to start? Trust me, I have. And by talking to someone, I mean like a counselor. Or a therapist, somebody trained in helping you get through the rigmarole of every day in this world. BetterHelp makes it easy to connect with those people, licensed professional counselors, and caring professionals who specialize in the issues that you want and need to talk about. Join BetterHelp and get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video and phone sessions, you can text a therapist worldwide and you can start communicating with that person in under 24 hours of setting it up. It's a truly affordable option, and Hugh Atchison's The Pot listeners will get 10% off their first month with discount code Hugh, H-U-G-H. If you've been wanting to talk to someone, you can get started right now. Go to betterhelp.com backslash Hugh, H-U-G-H, simply fill out the questionnaire and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com. Backslash Hugh. 4,000 plus U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states available worldwide. Four communication modes, text, chat, phone, and video. Start communicating in under 24 hours. Available on desktop, mobile app, Android, and iOS apps. It's easy to change our counselors if needed. Broad expertise in the network, which may not be locally available in many areas. Two pricing plans available, all included plan or the messaging only plan. Financial aid is available for those who qualify, secure, convenient, professional, affordable. Get to preserve an offer for your first month. The discount goes Hugh, H-E-G-H. How long are you waiting these days before you drop a review? I know it's always competitive to get the, the well, reviews out there. They all seem to dump at the same time.
2: Yeah, with, with, with my magazine, the magazine um, that I write for is a New York magazine. Uh, also, the website is called Grub Street, and the reviews are still pegged to the print magazine. My reviews are still right. pegged to the print magazine. And when I and so the print magazine does not publish weekly now they publish every other week sometimes uh, once every three I weeks and so I'm writing door. I'm writing and yeah you know, I write a lot of online stuff mm-hmm. listicles and the occasional rant and we have something called first taste where you go and you just give your fir- your, your first impression uh, but my actual f- reviews maybe maybe 20 20 a year it used to be f- 35 40. Wow. So they're 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 a lot less. So I am not in a position to compete with um, you know the Pete Wells is the Times or the, uh, Ryan Sutton is the other big critic in town eater, who I think write more. You know I'm, I've sort of had to cede that I'm not uh, I'm not trying that much to be timely, which right. is why I'm which is why I'm I'm hard selling this idea of it's every man's opinion it is my judicious opinion, and uh, I th- I, th- I also think that 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 rush you also find out the critic other critics like you find um, um the times spends a lot you know they don't there are many places that i review they haven't reviewed i think in the olden days in the old print days you did have it i think you did have that competition right you know and old style critics have that competition and they want to want to get be first they want to scoop i i think that's i mean i think you want to be current but i think in the current you know if you want to get people's impressions of, a, of the opening restaurant I mean you have that after 25 seconds at 25 seconds after they open yeah. people are coming down here and yeah. telling you or even before your, because of pre opening parties. I mean, it's just chaos yeah. so yeah. in many in many ways uh, waiting a little bit it might be better but uh, you know and and I I do think the critics power to open and close restaurants I, I think uh, the Times will always have that power in, in New York, but I think in Jet, it mean, may be the Athens uh, Democrat or whatever. I, but I think Aaron it's or Herald. We don't uh, even whatever, whatever.
0: I think we had it's, John Kessler for years. Okay, in the but I, I, and I'm sure
2: you, I'm sure you gnash your teeth about him. But you know, I think I think that old era of the lordly critic. You know, you know the movie Michael Ratatouille. Bauer. Yeah. Michael Bauer, well, I you know, nothing is Michael Bauer, but yeah. You know, Anton Ego, the, the French, you know, the guy in that great, actually one of the great food movies of all time. I think that that era has ended, okay? And if it hasn't been pronounced before, I'm pronouncing it now. But that, that era, I, I think, I think is over, except in certain conditions in certain cities. but But generally... Uh, I think that
0: still exists, but in New York, yeah, somewhat, somewhat, and London, definitely. Jay Rayner, people like that, London, still holding court.
2: They can, you can all, and you can, you know, if you decide to be mean about a certain, I don't think I have that power, but if you decide to to go after uh, a, a restaurant that is in the wheelhouse of the readership of your publication. Uh, you, it's devastating. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. don't, you, you don't get, I mean, you talk about Jay Rayner and London critics in New York. And London critics are uh, their own, their, their, own their own deal.
0: Their own Shakespearean, it's more like that, Shakespearean, it's, it's Shakespearean a theatrical, beast. It is
2: really theatrical. It's really it's so theater. It's really top, yeah. And they often, and again, it's, it's, it's highly, highly amusing, entertaining it's theater. It's abusive theater. But it's a kind of, it's a, I don't think we do that here. Oh boy, here we go. We're not hungry at all, are we? Hey, no, actually, I'm going to eat at like 6.30, but I'm to okay. take a picture of this.
1: You can, you can take a bite.
2: Oh No, I might take a bite, but I definitely oh, got to take a picture. All
1: right. so this will keep you warm. Oh, the...
0: Simone you so is presenting food to us. This is Simone
2: Tong, who is the, the wonderful, uh, the proprietor of this wonderful little noodle shop.
1: Hi, everyone. How are you?
2: And she has created, like, like all proprietors of wonderful noodle shops in New York, she's created this nutty sandwich thing <laughs> here.
1: Yes, it's yeah.
2: a. Tell us about it.
1: It's a. We call it a JB melt. Jabi, Uh Jabi is like a Chinese word for sandwich. It's a crispy um, bread with beef shank. Street food, right? Yes, cucumbers. Yep. Spicy fermented chili mayo yep. and a melted cheese curd on top of all that.
2: How many stars? Forty-five. Five. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it.
1: Thank you.
0: Um, There's nothing wrong with it. Someone, this is badass.
1: Thank you. Thank you. This
0: is like totally.
2: Yeah, it's badass. Different. Ass. Yeah, we
0: go
1: it's to. Not bad. bad huh? It's not
2: bad. It's New York. Everybody's a badass here.
1: <laughs> um, it, it comes with the marinated cabbage and a wholesome chicken broth,
2: which wholesome we make in the house. Broth.
1: I think it's pretty wholesome.
2: How long um, did it take you to think to think up this crazy idea? idea.
1: Um, how long?
2: Of course, if you put anything in between a jiangbing, yeah, like know, yeah, this is this crust, cr- crunchy, yes, delicious. Thing. It's, it's like go- a, it's gonna be good. It's like scallion
0: pancake with. Um, but then she's got this cheese, thing. cheese fricase. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: The cheese and is one hundred percent made in New York.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. and then shaved oh, raised okay. shank. That's yeah. sick. A and a little bit of, spice, of nice, pickle. nice bit of little Russian dressing kind of yeah, thing.
1: kind of thing. Yeah, Russian Chinese.
2: Everything that's sinful in one bite.
1: Sinful, <laughs> and good. Thank you, mm. thank you. We also have some. Uh, yeah, I told you good. No, yeah. It's, yeah. Worth, it's worth it. It's worth
0: yeah. it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Thank yeah. You. Oh, do you. mean is worth, worth it. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, the other thing, I Simon will tell you, it was like certainly in New York, which is probably the most hyper competitive restaurant environment in the world, yeah. right? Yeah. It really helps if you have one dish, which a, a sort of says everything about your philosophy and magnifies everything, and it's something that everybody can take pictures about, right? That internet internet can digest quickly and disseminate. It's it's really the David Chang, uh, you know, the, the pork bun model. Drop the name. Right, we have to say that. Yes. But like that's what it is, <laughs> and so you know this is like the, this is like a pork bun on steroids. Uh, this is. It's so better than good. any pork bun.
1: I'm blushing. Yeah, this whatever. Is, uh, I'm, I'm very Chinese. It's really I'm good. Blushing.
2: I'm having another bite now. Thanks. To break you. my rule. <laughs> <laughs> the chef here. The chef's eating the whole thing. For the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Mm, Simone, this is so Thank badass. You. Mm.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Okay, and this is just kimchi of cabbage. Or?
1: No, it's actually marinated, right. not even fermented. Just cabbage.
2: Is that like chef speak? Like that's how you talk to each other? This is badass.
1: Yeah, badass. <laughs> uh, can I swear here? No.
2: Yeah, you can do whatever <laughs> you want.
0: <laughs>
1: Fucking awesome. Fuck <Bark>, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. and what are these dumplings?
1: So they are uh, we, what we call home hometown wontons. Okay. How we like to make it uh, at home. It's like a pillow because mm-hmm. it's easy to make. Everybody can make it. Like whether you're any race, any culture, uh, with some spiced soy and I can and find chili you oil. about
0: hundred people on the street who can't make that.
1: Oh, I can uh, teach them. You I can, can teach.
2: teach them. That's good. But yeah, that's how I teach She's all my Mexican
1: cooks how to make Again,
2: it. Again, <laughs> she the model for the. In many ways, the modern New York chef trained at all the fancy restaurants. You worked with Wiley frame right? WD50. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mainly just him.
2: And then returned to the food of her youth, but in your case, sort of the, the imagined food of your youth, because we you grew up in Texas, weren't you?
1: No, I grew up, you grew up like all over the place. Singapore, yeah, Singapore, Australia, Texas. Yeah, I've been to Houston. Yeah. Um, uh, Hong Kong, Macau. So I was born in Chengdu, but didn't just only grow up there.
2: Yeah. But that, you know. Did, there was this tectonic shift where the fine dining world i mean I, I like to call it the great kitchen slave revolution yeah right i don't know if i've written that but i've certainly thought it. i have written a bunch of times and what, what happened in the, in the late in the early right 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 around the millennium is that you had these chefs who were bringing the culture of the kitchen out into their dining rooms right um you had uh, chefs who were playing the the, the, the ballads, the, like the, the Led Zeppelin rock ballads that they used to listen to while they were doing their mise en place and stuff. Mr. Batali was the first one to do that in yes. a fancy restaurant. Have others at did him now. Huh? Well, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, others did it, and um, you had the actual kitchen just taking. Just over the taking over of. this oh, this mu- this more fusty, more also mannered, a loosening, more yeah,
0: a loosening of protocol.
2: Yeah, well, and you had this generation which did not adhere. To I've that. also I call them the Starbucks generation. Uh, their parents grew up, you know, eating TV dinners or gnawing on some kind of you know desiccated uh, Roy Rogers roast beef sandwich in some uh, horrific what you, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Whereas they grew up going to Starbucks in the mall. Because we all know Starbucks is highly sophisticated. <laughs> you could call it fast food, you call it whatever you want, but it requires a lot. Yeah, you know, it, it they actually beg you to have opinions, and to be and to be uh, in, in their in your way a coffee snob, and so that 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 generation a is not interested in pretense. Um, they're used to calling their own shots. They like quality, and they don't want to go into some fancy expensive restaurant that their parents. Have told about it. Listen to some guy from you know Alsace, but, talking to them that, in a funny name.
0: That but, that Starbucks reference is, is is true. I agree with that about the culture and generation that they grew up in. But what Starbucks enabled a lot of us to do in the food world was envision something that everybody was saying that was going to conquer everything in its wake, and move three steps beyond it and say, I can own a better coffee shop than Starbucks can ever be because they've got this volume idea. I know a lot more about coffee. I'm going to take the deep dive into it. And the same thing is said about food. Sure. There's, there's massive expansion in in chains of food, yet you come here and you're doing your own individual thing that's better than anybody can do at massive chains. Sure. Um, but it's also like how much devotion can you give to a dish? This is a very devoted dish to think up mm-hmm. and make awesome
2: and consistent. Yeah. Badass.
1: Thank you. That's where'd you. Where'd you get the where'd
2: you get the frico cheese idea? I know.
1: Okay, so like in Yunnan, where the, this cuisine is in the Chinese don't like cheese. Chinese, most Chinese that we think of what Chinese are the Han Chinese don't like cheese, but the ethnic
2: Chinese uh, in the south, yeah, in the, south. In
1: the su- border,
2: or all, all the way around,
1: border Mongolia, Tibet, Tibetans they like cheese. We call them Yak Chinese cheese. too because they they live in China. It's all good. Yeah, that's another. Topic, Uh, So, yeah, they make um, mozzarella-style cheese, and they stretch it, and then they dry it in between bamboos, and then they grill it. And then they put roast jam on it. I mean,
0: the thought of it is... It's the frike halloumi of the world. So
2: good.
1: (laughs) Yes. Is it sold on the
2: streets in the south of China? Yeah.
1: Really? So this
2: is all, in its way, an amalgam. It's a fusion Chinese. At the same time, it's a cheesesteak. It is the same... (laughs) It's a, yes. a badass cheese. Better than it, that, that, better that, that than cheesesteak I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's had a good cheesesteak? Nobody. I mean, really, literally, no, nobody. So, anyway. So that's what I'm talking about. Now we get to eat these stuff. We're in the midst of this great ferment of, of delicious food everywhere, which is much more accessible. But,
0: I mean, I, I, we're in the midst of that, but we're at the same time. And, Simone, you can probably speak to this. We're at the same time where everybody says, well, nobody can open a restaurant in Manhattan anymore. It's too expensive. You can't find people to work there. Yeah. So how are you working around that? I mean, this is not a big space.
1: It's not a big space. To us, it's still very expensive.
0: Yeah, I'm sure
1: it is. I mean, I'm very new to this whole restaurant opening. I've, this is like three months old, four months old. So I'm still struggling and learning as we, as we, as we grow every day and learn together. Constantly, the biggest challenge is finding cooks. You're right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Simone also operates a two-star restaurant. Right. Down in this <laughs> village.
1: <laughs> yes. So, which yes. is
2: called this little is some, tong this tong is a more same. casual right, okay. and that's that especially there's rice noodles. There. Yeah. And this is a more lunchy. Do you do the, sa- the sandwich there?
1: No, we just do it here.
2: Wow. No. My sandwich is gone for the Really, 100%.
1: because we only have three stovetop there. So right. if
2: I that, take up a Yeah, stovetop. it's like
1: constantly. It's yeah. pretty exciting. Very humble. Very, very. So,
0: gentle. and the, the beef shin mm-hmm. is braised
2: in what?
1: Um,
2: They're getting all technical now. Wow, yeah. They're they so all badass.
1: It's braised with all the mirepoix, all the aromatics. Yeah. And then the Chinese. Spice,
0: um, Chinese five spice or
1: five spice, um, star anise, fennel, cumin, black cardamom, green cardamom, all of that with chicken broth okay. and the previous batch of the shank. So okay, it's ongoing. how
0: long is the braise for and what Six hours. Six hours yeah. at uh simmering, okay, yeah, stove top braise, stove top, yeah, yeah. candy
1: stove, yeah. old school, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and then we take it out and we. Uh, let it rest in their own bracing liquid and then we get to slice it and then we heat it up with garlic oyster sauce and the beef shank that we blitz it and make it to another sauce
0: so good thank you so good <laughs> yeah just to, don't get the temptation of suddenly being opening up at you know one of the Brooklyn Berkeley Center or something like that with a sandwich stand like that because the thing that eludes great chefs sometimes is that you unless you're the best teacher in the world mm. to teach people who, you know, you got to do it. You got to mm-hmm. do it yourself. Yeah. You know, ways. yeah. <laughs> and slowly but surely train people who are better and smarter than you. That's my whole shtick.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Um, I try to hire people that are different from me. Yeah. Um, that, are, that, that I told them, if you are on the line on the job, you should be better than me Yeah. soon because yeah. I'm not on the line on the job. Yeah. And when I was on the line on the job at... Uh, you know, other restaurants, I work for other chefs, I should be better than a chef.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, the food Inside is college. fantastic.
2: Impressive. <laughs> Impressive. Thank that you. That was so good. That yeah, might be so the best. Good. Like, how can that, that I, was so good. That's unquestionably the that so best five salad star ad. Ad. i
0: easily had in a year or two. Easily.
2: That was so good.
0: Yeah. It's badass. We've already that talked about That was so this. badass. <laughs> All right, bye.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So, Adam, you, you, you've you been doing this. I'm taking this. notes. You see that? Yeah, I, see I, I actually wanted notes. to come here
2: because I have not, I've heard about this, I read about it on the internet. I actually wanted to taste it.
0: Basically, to go over what we just had, we just had a crisp scallion type pancake with no scallion in it, and then braised beef shin. Yep with kind of secret sauce and yep. cucumbers yep. and then this freaky of, of
2: cheese all the elements uh, of like, you know, all of this sinful all of these sinful elements of a great sandwich but it's not even a sandwich because the bread is this this fried fried pancake, which you buy, you know, scallion. You can put scallions in it. It's just a delicious thing in and of it by itself. And when you add all of these other things, like the crunch of, but it's got of, like, the ch- crunch of the cheese and the Russian dressing or whatever. And the beef shanks. It's not really fair. No, it's, it's not, not fair. really fair. It's impossible. The critics like to eat one bite and then like spit it out in a spittoon or whatever. No, if. Mine you is ate, gone. You ate
0: the entirety. It's universe. gone. I've got like a remnant of mine left over. <laughs> uh, it is like perhaps the best sandwich uh, I've had in years. All right, good. Uh, so yeah, it, yeah. it's a good call. Listening is one of the best attributes you can have as a human. I think it uh, allows you to concentrate on something that's outside of your own brain and listen with empathy and understanding and learning makes you a better parent, better leader, better member of your community. One of the ways I listen a lot is on audible and audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now with audible originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members, listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on the go, while you're walking, whatever. Right now, I'm listening to Jeff Tweedy's Let's Go So We Can Get Back. It's an amazing story about him as a recording artist and just life. Him as a human, and Tweedy's a very interesting human. But go to audible.com backslash Hugh, H-E-G-H, and you'll get a free 30-day trial. You can also text SMS code, which is Hugh, H-E-G-H, to 500500 should go there and listen for a change. Again, it's audible.com backslash Q or text H-U-G-H to 500500. Audible, get on it. So 18 years ago when you started, I think that that was kind of the dimming hours of Lou and a number yep. of
2: places like yep. that their the was still around but it was the dimming hours yes and so what happens
0: with the the shift what 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 ended sort of the high end of continental food and you know but French is back in full force which is well, thoroughly well French
2: is like you had different layers of French in New York always right? Um, when I started writing, uh, Keith McNally, who was the great, uh, he, he opened Odeon, which is a sort Odeon of a seminal downtown Balthazar. brasserie, and then Balthazar. So he had established the mid, mid-range brasserie uh, fashion. So that was going great guns. At the same time, you had the famous uh, the Le and the La restaurants, the old old French restaurants, which were, which were really the We, the Caravelle. Um, which were all the product of their own revolution. That Really, when the, when the French, it was a famous, uh, p- it was really the p- Pavilion, which was named after um, the French Pavilion, which was in the, in, in the World Expo, which is in whatever it was, 50, and, and all the chefs came out of there and started their own restaurants. And they, it ran its course. You know, it was a, like, like anything, it was a good run. Uh, they were getting older. Uh, and more importantly, their clientele was getting older. And I actually reviewed the La Caravelle, which was famously Jackie Kennedy's favorite favorite restaurant. It was a, you know, owned by these; they're still living in the city, very civilized French couple. And just, and then it just closed. Gave it a good review. Didn't matter. Everybody gave it good reviews. It just closed. They couldn't. Uh, the the economics were just against them. So you had that. So you had the sort of passage of time. Then you had the Brasseries, which is like the casual, you know, the kind of food that people really – I mean, New York is a pretty conservative town mm-hmm. dining-wise. You don't see a lot of crazy experimentation you know, New Yorkers like uh, food that's uh, reliable and fast. And, it's a, you know, there's a reason the, the porterhouse steak. I didn't really thought about it. Oh, yeah, no. Well, it's not. I mean, you can come here and do crazy things. Chicago and L.A. have more. Much food. more experimental. Yeah. Because, uh, the, the, A, you can indulge yourself more. You don't have these pressures. And New Yorkers tend to be mean about that stuff. The experiments are really on the margins. Anyway, um, so... Uh, you had those old, that old French way, uh, the, the old French um, sort of style dying, the clientele dying, and for a while, the actual techniques were went, not, away were, were, well. went, went away as Went away, and you had this resurgence of what I was talking about, of the culture of the kitchen, and over time, the culture of the kitchen, the the as any revolution. Uh, it, it it sort of uh, synthesizes what it's overthrown and comes up with and another. It again. It's a it's a it's a Marxist <laughs> it's a theory. cycle of it's a I Marxist said. it's a Marxist theory. It's, it's these, pretty these, tried these, and, true. and so, I don't know if people are opening fancy French restaurants, but that that that, that quote unquote revolutionary, you know, Tom Colicchio in his way was oh yeah, he, yeah. actually not in his way. I mean, his restaurant Craft, which you may have yeah. done. I mean, Kraft was a classically – I mean, what, what, what Tom did at Kraft, and I've, I've said I've, – I've, I think I've written that Kraft is the pavillon of its day, is that he took all of these strands, um, you know, foraging, again, all the things that chefs hold dear or, or are supposed to hold dear, the sanctity of your ingredients, uh, you know, the technique of the braids, the simple techniques. I mean, initially, he had no recipes in that restaurant, no sauces – he just wanted you. It was a very. He stark,
0: wanted you to pick the way it would be cooked, and then the sauce, and then the company. But he
2: wanted to, you to appreciate the craft, appreciate the things of the chef. Right, right. But it was way too complicated. No, it didn't work. It, 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 it didn't was,
0: work. It was like the most complex. It wasn't. It wasn't. Fu- it,
2: wasn't fu- it wasn't functional. Yeah. So, but it became functional. And what he did is he, he succeeded in that restaurant is taking, uh, you know, raising all of these quite simple ideas. You know, the the perfect mushroom. The perfect chicken, the perfect uh, you know farm. Yeah, I called it oat barnyard that that style, and but raised them to the level of a kind of a snobism and fashion that New Yorkers specialize in and can understand.
0: So did the, did the advent of a craft was that the invitation for us all to pay sixteen dollars for a roasted carrot salad?
2: Yeah, it was. Well, but, but but also and, it, but, and again uh, and a lot of, of fancy chefs, very influential chefs, pass through. Tom's Kitchens. I would actually argue that he opened a little restaurant, I don't know if you remember, next to Kraft called Kraft Bar. Yes. And Kraft Bar was really was the model for more restaurants these days than you can count. Right, it was yeah. Delicious little meatballs that his mama used to make. Great wine perfect, program, perfect breadsticks, all casual, but extremely high quality. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, pork belly. All again, all the stuff that chefs loved. All the stuff that the mama and papa used to make back in the neighborhood, but done in a very simple way. And it was a bar called Craft Bar. So they had a big long bar where you could eat. Counter dining was something that Tom learned from uh, obviously working for Danny Meyer and also just being a New Yorker. And that restaurant, where David Shang famously worked for like, I don't know, a nanosecond, became a template for a lot of young chefs who went, went, did go downtown or out into the boroughs. It was a very economical model and it was a model that appealed to a lot of people. Right. And I, I think, you know, that was really the stealth pavillon of its day and craft yeah. is still Its craft is still there and craft is like you know but but you do pay 18 19 25 bucks for your carrots but yeah. it's but that's new york but they're right? good carrots it's a, a damn good carrot it's a damn good that's everywhere it's a damn good it's a damn good carrot carrots have names so it's yeah, a damn good it's, carrot. It's, a, it's a different and like in world. this world like i don't know the, the whole farm to table it's been around it's been parodied a lot it's you know god you're probably tired of it no yeah, it's jumped the shark and it's jumped the shark and it has been replaced by other stuff southern their other styles are other yeah.
0: You know. yeah, the, the, the problem with farm to table for me, is it's been so co-opted, as plenty of us do it with full-on um, zeal, that it's become so co-optable that it doesn't matter anymore.
2: Um, Everyone does it. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you know the French the chefs in Yunnan were doing it 500 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's whatever. never... Again, New Yorkers love to put these labels on things. I mean, New York, you know, New York is... Uh, you know, New Yorkers specialize, in not just food, in, in in all of these creative disciplines in making them fashionable. Now, I think the Internet has changed that. I think chefs, as you know, chefs don't have to. It used to be even in, when I started writing that chefs thought they had to come here to make their reputations, right? You probably did when you were growing up. but I mean, They thought they did, right? Yeah. And to a certain extent, for about a year or so, they did. And then they went back home and that changed And then everything. they went back home or then they, you know... But they used to oh, open their, their downtown thing or, yeah. or or Mr. Chang opened his downtown thing randomly just to try and make some, you know, or you had the yeah, the, the model changed. And with that, with, with the craft bar era, you'd have to do that. And with the Internet, you'd have to do that. Like if the food people, if you... First of all, if you're a chef, why come to New York, right? It's such a hassle.
0: It's such a hassle. And
2: this in in, in, in this day and age you can open your place in Austin, Texas or in Athens. Oh, it's Georgia. totally changed. You can open up in, and I've had some
0: of the best meals in the last five years in places like Minneapolis. Right.
2: And right. It's and an right. and yeah, you know, New York still has, I think, more density. Yeah. And it's got more variety. And more variety. And it's got a culture of restaurants, which is something that's very hard to duplicate. Right, I mean, I'll go to Austin, for instance, and I'll go, I'll eat at the five, actually, Austin's got a lot of, I don't know if I should have picked Austin, because there is an old culture of a certain style of Mm -hmm. food there, Tex-Mex and barbecue. But, you know, the restaurants like, say this, where we are, you know, there are five of those, six of those in Austin, or there are five, you know, you go to to Birmingham. There's two million people now.
0: Right. But anyway, the- I do think that that type of thing exists in a couple of cities still. LA is definitely, it exists. Sure. San Francisco, it doesn't because it's been priced out of the market generally. Right. Um, it does exist in Montreal very strongly.
2: Yeah. with really. Again, an old culture, sort yeah, of French Old style. culture backbone. It's a, it's a, the, the thing about it is in New York is the New Yorkers go out to eat all the time. Right. It's because there's no space. They don't want to cook in their kitchens. They like to talk about food. They have disposable income. And there is this, yeah, if you come to New York, one of the first things, the culture of dining is, is one of the real things that defines the city. You know, uh, like the subway. You know? Do you ever cook at home? Randomly.
0: Randomly. I'm like a random, I like cook stews. Stews.
2: Like I have two daughters and a, a skinny wife who's getting skinnier and skinnier. Because she now refuses to go to any restaurants, she, she, <laughs> she's finally she's like I'm done with this. Actually, she was done with it like after about a year. It's like okay, uh, have fun. But now the kids, now the kids, they sort of go and I use them as props. My my oldest daughter uh, is a somewhat of a sophisticated food person. Actually, her palate's much more sophisticated than mine, which is not saying much. Uh, but my younger daughter is like it tends to be. Uh, she's like uh, you know she likes the basics like ramen right. and pancakes and you know, things like that. Well, there's nothing wrong with us. She would like this. It's a pancake sandwich. She wouldn't. What she would do with this is she would like probably take the little implement, little parts of it out, and, and like sort of dissect it, like a like a raccoon does a fish. Oh, yeah, that's that. Well, that takes a skill set. Yes, it does. As
0: Simone, uh, the chef and owner, has, has delivered a set sumo tangerines to the table.
2: Perfect. Just
0: perfect. Just started their season. Perfect. And they're beautiful. But I think that is a good invitation for me to. Wish Adam Platt a good evening. He's off to dine for something.
2: Yeah, I think uh-huh. I, think, I think it would like a seven course kaiseki meal that I have to ingest now. Well, that's good. You know Kaiseki's what? small. he bet be as good as this. Is
0: it the one where they start the timer?
2: I don't know. Are it's you all excited? The, it's all a blur, my friend. Because this is your excitement? I, this is exciting. I was excited. Ramped it up. No, again. no, no. I, this was my call. Like, let's come. I want to try this sandwich. And so yeah, I'm excited, and I give it five
0: stars. It a, and it is one fantastic sandwich. So if you come to uh, Midtown, uh, come up to 53rd and third Second, street. yeah, and Little Tongue Noodle Shop, and Simone will make you um, probably what I think is the best sandwich I pretty much ever had.
2: That's that's uh, you know everyone's a critic, but that's saying something. And you know what? I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd say badass. It's badass. It's badass. All right. Thank Th- you, Adam, thanks. For, thanks for having me.
0: This episode of Hugh Atchison stirs the pot was taped on location at Little Tong Noodle Shop. You should go in Midtown Manhattan. Thanks to Simone Tong, the chef there and the owner and a wonderful human for letting us tape there and for making us a fantastic lunch. Scott Porch produces the show for Himalaya Media with field recording by Brian Blum, sound design by Alex Ramsey and editing by Mackenzie Mazell. You can follow Hugh Atchison stirs the pot on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you hear, rate, review, tell a friend, retweet it, shout it out from a window, whatever. And come back Tuesdays for a new episode. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Hugh Atchison. Thanks for listening. Eat well. Be swell.